morning. The reading is taken from John chapter 4 and verses 1 to 42. That's on page 1066 of the Bibles in the pew. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing, baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to life eternal. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What have you just said is what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought in food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when, he's, when, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Praise the Lord. Oh, good morning. Nice to have the opportunity to share a few thoughts this morning on this topic. And nice to see Bob and Gail here. It's a long way to come for a chocolate, but never mind, you know. <laughs> so we're in a series on John's Gospel, The Way to True Life. And today we're talking about connecting with people, which Jesus was a rather specialist at. So connecting with people. Can I have the next slide, which will show you where I'm going with this. Now, I'm not going to be talking through the slides. You'll, some of the ones coming up, they'll be just bullet points of what I'm, it's on about, so I won't be reading them. But on this one, these are the f- important points where I'm going this morning. So the importance of connecting with people to start with. Uh, Jesus connects with the Samaritan woman. Jesus connects with people's longing for a Messiah. And then the fact that connecting with Jesus brings restoration. So the next slide then, please. So the importance of connecting with people. We put a lot of emphasis these days on education 
and uh, rightly so, it's very important and we're very blessed in our country to have education where many countries don't have that and we're keen on that and exam grades but it's equally important that we're able to connect with people because if we can't do that uh, then a lot of our effectiveness will be, will be lost. Now I wonder what your favourite pop song is. Uh, mine comes from quite a long time ago. Uh, we now have a 13-year-old grandson and I'm uh, trying to improve my connection with him by listening to One Republic and Imagine Dragons. I bet some of you didn't even know they existed because I certainly didn't. So I've already been connecting with this boy for a long time and we play sport together, kick the rugby ball, football and goodness knows what, shoot baskets. Uh, but I thought it would be good as he's into his teenage years now to uh, find out what sort of stuff he's listening to. So I like a lot of the music, surprisingly, but can't make much sense out of some of the lyrics. But some lyrics for some songs are very meaningful and they speak of something from deep, heartfelt longing. And there was one a long ago, uh, before the beginning of time for some of you here, but by the Rolling Stones back in 1965, uh, when I was already well on the road by that time. And the, uh, the song said this, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try. And I think this is a feeling that uh, many of us have felt perhaps at some time in our lives. Maybe some of you feel it now. And I think it applies to this Samaritan woman in our story today. She knew nothing about Jesus, but she was about to connect with him one day at high noon. Now, I think we'd all like to have satisfaction in our lives. Hopefully, many of us here already have that, but some may not. And some are looking, thinking it might find it in families, friendships, careers, pastimes and holidays, all finding themselves and very enjoyable, but at the end of it may leave just something missing in life, something more is needed. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet put his finger on it in Jeremiah 2 long ago. And he talked about his people who'd gone away from connecting with God. And he said this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So we're made, as we all know, for relationship with God. We're created in his image. And if we lose that, if we're not aware of that, and uh, let something go of that, if we turn our backs on him, then something goes wrong. And as Blaise Pascal said long ago in the 1600s, there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of each person which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, revealed to us through Jesus Christ. So the Samaritan woman in her situation likely wondered, surely there's more to life than this, something that will be being discussed in the Alpha course going on, how can I find true peace and happiness? But without connection, nothing flows. No electricity, no love, no compassion, no hope. 
But Jesus was about to connect with this Samaritan woman and meet her deepest need. Uh, could I have the next one, Claire, please? So we've read, read about um, Jesus, uh, heard read, sorry, about Jesus connecting with a Samaritan woman. So here's a map showing the layout. Now the deficiency of this sort of map, it doesn't give you any idea of the topography. And if anybody would like to know what the topography is like, ask me afterwards and I'll show you. How will I do that? You'll see. So Jesus was in Judea, which is in the south, as you can see, and he was going up to Galilee, which is in the north, as you can also see. And so between them was the area of Samaria. And um, Sychar is marked in red on there, where this connection was. So the position of Sychar is located at an interesting place, which I'd like you to grasp uh, right from the start then, so it's located at the southeast foot of Mount Erbil, which is about half a mile from Jacob's Well. And to the south is Mount Gerizim. That's on the southern side there, Mount Gerizim. So there's two mountains I want you to be aware of as we uh, proceed from here. So next, Jesus' motivation then for connecting uh, with people was his compassion. In Matthew 9.36 it says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I don't know if you're involved at all uh, supporting British Red Cross, but they have a lovely motto, and it's this. It's the power of kindness, the power of kindness. I write, rather like that. And someone said, too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, or a kind word. A listening ear, an honest compliment, and the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a person's life around. So Jesus' compassion was inclusive. Jews usually avoided contact with Samaritans at all costs because they were a mixed race following the captivity, you remember, the Assyrian captivity and intermarriage, so there were people there who were not pure, the pure race. But Jesus never felt constrained by the socially acceptable standards of the day. Now we're talking about connections, so the next bit I'm just thinking about is looking at the story and picking out important points which maybe we can learn from in how to connect with other people. So to connect with the Samaritan woman, Jesus went to where she was he sat down at the well of Jacob on the outskirts of Sychar. She arrived at noon on the heat of the day, trying to avoid the other women because she uh, had a bad reputation and the other women uh, may well have shunned her. He met the woman one-to-one. -one. It was very fortunate that the disciples had gone away into a village to buy some food and so they were not there to interfere, they were not there to uh, discourage Jesus, it just the two were meeting together. And Jesus took the initiative in the conversation by asking for a drink. And the Samaritan woman was astonished that a Jew would speak at all to a Samaritan woman, not only that, that a Jew would ask for a drink from a Samaritan's cup, which is unthinkable. But Jesus came down to break barriers of hostility between Jews and Samaritan, 
of social restrictions between men and women and between the ritually clean and the unclean. And Jesus, uh, through the power of his indwelling spirit, had a word of knowledge about this woman which opened up the whole situation when he said to her, go call your husband. And this was a big issue, as we've heard in the story, about her life. And she calls him a prophet that he knows this. How did he possibly know all these details about her private life? And notice that in the discussion, in the connection, he's not put off by the red herrings that she throws up about the well being uh, dug by Jacob uh, long ago and about the place of worship, which was Mount Gerizim for the Samaritans and Jerusalem for the Jews. The woman is blown away and believes in him And she goes back to her town, Sychar, and tells everyone. And many more come to believe as well and say to the woman, we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Sorry the reading was so long, but I really wanted those last words in there. Jesus said, Jesus is the saviour of the world. So Jesus wants to connect with us too, and hopefully he has with most of us here. He wants to connect with us, but sometimes we turn our back. People turn their backs. I know people who do that. But Francis Thompson's Hound of Heaven puts it like this. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears I hid from him. Yet quietly God in the silence whispers, I am he whom you seek. Uh, So I'll have the next one, Claire, please. So Jesus connects with Israel's longing for the Messiah. Now, I don't know if you uh, realise that there's something, a bit of a Miss Marple mystery here uh, on the visit to Samaria and to Sychar. John 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says this, he had to go through Samaria. Now, why did he have to go through Samaria? Uh, One answer is the the map we saw, the obvious answer that Samaria is in the middle. But although it's inconvenient, many people went over Jordan and round so as not to go through Samaria. Another answer is that he had to do so to meet the Samaritan woman. And indeed he did, and it was amazingly illuminating uh, how he was connecting with these uh, people. And that is a big point, a big point of the story. But there is also another big point lurking here some, somewhere. And to find out what that big point was and why it was, we need to look again just a little bit at the discussion and where it led. So the woman first brought up the place of worship. And Jesus said, it's not the place that matters, it's worship from the heart. That's the key thing. And the next thing she talks about water but he talks about living water. Now, the Samaritans didn't, uh, uh, they only concentrated on the Pentateuch, the first five books, so didn't uh, support the Old Testament prophets. But in the prophetic books, the uh, water is a metaphor for God, his word, and salvation. And if you're familiar with the famous verse from uh, uh, Isaiah 55, verse 1, "'Come, all you who are thirsty,' come to the waters and that's basically not just about water ordinary water 
And finally says she knows that Messiah is coming. And Jesus makes this startling statement, I who speak to you am he. Jesus rarely said this, so why did he say this in this particular place in Samaria and in Sychar? A place, incidentally, which is only mentioned in one place here in John chapter 4, verse 5. Well, we'll now have a reveal with the next one, Claire. So here's a map. Jesus connects with Israel's longing for Messiah. So the answer is hidden in plain sight, really. Sychar uh, dis- disappeared as a name uh, today and is named called by something else. But the place in the past was known by something else which has a massive amount of history. It was known as Shechem. Shechem was an awesome place in Israel's history. And it was located right at that point, which I showed you at the beginning, in the mountain pass between Mount Erbil and Mount Gerizim. So, and moments associated with the Messiah were there. Now, I've just put that map up because it shows how, you remember Abraham coming from Ur of the Chaldees, and then going and stayed with the family in Haran for a period, and then when one of them died, Abraham went down into the land there, and he went to Shechem, this very place that we're talking about. So that shows that. And an important thing was that in there, three promises were made to Abraham, one to do with him becoming a great nation, one to do with him having a land of their own, And from his descendants, a promised saviour would be born, the Messiah. Jacob, too, visited this same place when he returned from Padam Aram with his two wives, Rachel and Leah. He bought a plot of land, built an altar, and dug a well for anybody who wanted to return there to celebrate those promises to Abraham. Uh, One of the songs that my grandson loves is Bones by Imagine Dragons. And Bones have a figure in our story now because uh, Joseph's bones were brought and buried there. And Joseph is known as a type of Christ because he exhibits a lot of the characteristics that Jesus did. Now that's a study in itself, but I just mentioned that at one point Joseph was tempted but without sin. You remember the occasion And Jesus was always tempted, but never with with sin. They were both sold for the price of a slave. They both saved their nations. Remember how Joseph did that by attracting everybody, stored up all the food. And they both forgave others for the wrongs that had been committed against them. And then there's one more thing. In Deuteronomy, you read where Moses is telling the people who are going into the promised land, he wants them half the tribe, six of them to go on Mount Erbil and the other half to go on Mount Erizim and they will proclaim the, uh, the blessings and the curses that are in Deuteronomy. Uh, so this is an awesome place. It was a religious focal point in the Old Testament. No other place had more connection with the Messiah. So it was highly significant that Jesus chose this place which was steeped in history to make his statement I who speak to you am here. So this, I think, is the other, the main message. The main, one main message is Jesus reaching out and connecting with this Samaritan woman and the wonders that that did. 
but also it's making this massive statement that he connects with history and uh, this, that he truly is the Messiah. Uh, so the last uh, slide, please, Claire. Now, to connecting with Jesus brings restoration. I wonder if you watch the repair shop on, on the TV. I'm always amazed at the skill of the experts during restoration work. It's amazing. A friend of mine sitting down here tipped me off about a, a, an episode that I missed a while ago. And it was about the restoration of, wait for it, a Rotherham United cap. How wonderful. It, what could be more amazing than that? And this guy who was the same vintage as me, so we must have been watching them at the same time. He had more perseverance than me. I'm not watching them anymore, but never mind. But, uh, you know, there, there, there we are. Restoration, the wonderful gifts that people have and able to transform things. It's absolutely mind-blowing, but we're made in the image of God, and that's why. But Jesus, by comparison, does something way better. He can transform lives. And uh, he demonstrated, demonstrated the way to connect with people. We saw that with the Samaritan woman. So I was very blown away last Sunday. I don't know if any of you saw Songs of Praise last week. It was by Kate Botley. And the theme was faith and restoration. And compassionate Christians were connecting with people who were prisoners or were ex-offenders. And one man shared his story. He'd been into stealing from a young age. He then got into drugs. He was in prison. He came out, more drugs, became a drug dealer. And at his lowest point, he was wanting to die. He just wanted out of here. And then one day, he connected, or a woman connected with him, and told him how her life had been turned around by connecting with Jesus. And she thought, he thought she was completely nuts until he got down on his knees and prayed. And he personally had a vision of Jesus. And he went after that went to church and was blown away by the care and compassion of the people who welcomed him, put an arm around him, gave him a hug. And now he's restored himself and he's helping others who are in the same state that he's, he was before. So he's connecting himself. So Jesus invites us all here to be connected with him, to receive and partake of that living water. And I hope we're doing that today. We have the assurance uh, that to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, have uh, given the right to become children of God. But God wants us, I think, to help others to connect with Jesus. And Jesus modelled how to do that. We've listened to the... Uh, steps in the in the process so to speak and the key thing at the beginning of it all is to be kind and compassionate and to ask God perhaps for a word of knowledge for the people like uh, Jesus had about this woman and her husbands and remember in Romans 5 5 it says God's love is poured into our hearts through the meat through the Holy Spirit so if we ask the Holy Spirit it can help us with the love bit sometimes people are not as lovely as they might be and he can also help us with insights and not to be put off by cynical people. So I close with another little song from Marlia Jackson, which is this. If I can help somebody as I travel along, if I can help somebody in a word or a song, if I can help somebody from doing wrong, my living shall not be in vain. Rather like that song, but we'll just add, 
if I can help somebody find Jesus, life will never be the same for them. Amen. I'd just like to pray for us before we just go down. So Lord Jesus, we know that you are the Messiah, can do wonderful things. I just pray that you would do wonderful things in our lives and lead us to connect with other people to help them to know for themselves that you are indeed the saviour of the world. Amen.